0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield.
1: What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big Hasta la vista, baby! Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, where we're going to talk about, guess what, more Baker Mayfield, you, you dream it. You believe it. It's coming to fruition. I promise again, I'm going to make my disclaimer for the week. This is this is the quarterback week. We're moving on after this week. But again, the goal of the week is to get as many opinions, give you a fair assessment of who he is. And listen, I'm I'm telling you, I have a great guest today. You've heard Matt talk on this show before. Matt and I usually talk a lot of running backs Um and I'm gonna be honest, Matt. I'm I'm gonna welcome in Matt Waldman. He's at Matt Waldman on Twitter, rookie scouting portfolio creator. He does so many fantastic things. Um uh, rsp.com, Matt Waldman Rsp.com. Make sure you check that out. Usually, Matt, you do a draft guide. That that'll be out this year, I would imagine. 17th year. Nice, man. Love it. So, so Matt, welcome to the show, first of all. Appreciate it. So, so Matt has n- no uh ill-conceived notion of any of this. Like he is he is as, as unbiased about this stuff as it gets. So he wrote a, a a write-up of Mayfield that was pretty critical during the process. Everyone loved him. I can't say everybody loved him. There were doubters. But for the most part, people really liked Mayfield in the draft process. But you wrote up some things that were pretty critical. And I think sometimes I've steered away from having conversations about Mayfield on this show with you, Matt, because I don't really want people to you know, jump off the cliff in terms of thinking that you're trying to uphold something or you're trying to do something uh, negative like I'm trying to bring on somebody who's negative about your quarterback out there folks I'm not trying to do that but I think when when we're four years in and a lot of the things that Matt wrote hold true and we're going to look at Lance Zerline's scouting report too has the guy you scouted at Oklahoma overcome the deficiencies from the scouting perspective and there's nobody Matt huge Browns fan correct me if I'm wrong here Matt Huge Browns fan, (laughs) big believer in the Browns, loves the Browns. He's not out here to ruin anybody's day, but he's out here to give unbiased analysis. And he was uh, not a, a believer in Mayfield in terms of the level that everybody else, myself included, Matt, thought in 2018. And I want you to go through what your general synopsis was back then. And then we're going to talk about whether he's overcome anything, the different stages, and whether you wavered on that opinion. You saw something different. Let's let's start at the base. What did you think of Mayfield coming out, and how did you articulate that to your uh, to your to your readers?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and certainly, you know, as you prefaced, I, I think the important thing is, especially for folks who are on social media a lot, um, you know. I could really care less about what the media thinks about a player. I don't follow media information. I don't follow narratives very much. And one the ones that I do see, I don't pay much attention to because I used to be in the media. I used to do a lot of media related work. And to to be frank, to to me it's um, you know, someone like Colin Colherd or Tony Grossi or anybody who starts to Get personal about a player. They're not giving a fair assessment in terms of they're kind of ruining how they go about trying to say they're being objective about something. You know, I, you want, we all want Baker Mayfield to succeed, whether it's here or elsewhere as a player. Mm -hmm. When I study players, that's how I look at it. But the point of the matter is, is yeah, when I looked at Baker Mayfield, he was my fourth ranked quarterback. But more importantly is the score I gave him, which is that he was on the bottom end of saying, what I would call a contributor, a player who's a starter in execution in a very limited scope. And any, you know, anything beyond that scope that would be expected of him means diminishing returns. And what that means is that, you know, there are I look at the NFL in a very simple way. This is that you have two types of players in terms of the spectrum out there. The highest end of the spectrum are matchup players. They're your Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, on um, you know Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey players who that when a defense can't just scheme to stop them they can transcend the scheme in difficult moments and make plays they're the yeah. ultimate playmakers you have to cover them one on one and you have to have a top athlete against them and then you have guys that are scheme players and scheme players can give you high end starter production but they usually need more supporting help. They usually need plays that are schemed so that they don't have to do the transcendent work. But the best quarterbacks in the league are the guys who transcend. So for me, when I looked at him in his scouting report, I mentioned this pretty much uh, about, you know, look, he has a decent enough arm. He has quick, crisp footwork with plays where they ask him to do the read option and to do plays that are, you know, in that spread system where you could... Embed lookoffs. They're not true lookoffs in the sense that you're reading the full field, but you're you're dropping back and looking in one direction to sell a misdirection where your real first read is looks like your second or third read on the play. And he was very good at that. He was very good at, you know, he had moments where if you di- weren't able to contain the edges of pressure, He could roll out, he could he throw through well on the move. He was very good at throwing on the move um, if you could roll him out and do that. Certainly had the arm you're looking for. You know, you saw that there was some playmaking skill as a scrambler, all of that stuff. But the things that I had a real sticking point with, and I think that people got on to me about and had debate with, and it was a lot with the analytical community, at least in the in the media analytics, which is a little bit different than actual people in the NFL who do analytics that I that I deal with. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, they were questioning the fact that I said that his accuracy wasn't as good as the statistics pointed out. And the, what I mentioned is that when people grade accuracy, they grade it in a way where it's, did the guy catch the ball? What's his accuracy percentage? Accuracy percentage isn't enough because there's two real different types of accuracy when you judge players. And I'm using this based on what Bill Walsh preached. Bill Walsh preached pinpoint accuracy. So when Mike, you know, the story that I heard all the time was that when Mike Holmgren was with the 49ers and an offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach, and he watched Joe Montana hit Jerry Rice in practice with a post route and, or in a deep over. And he said, You know, great throw, Joe. Bill Walsh came up to Mike, pulled him aside and said, listen, that was not a great throw. That was not and that wasn't even up to standard because Jerry had to basically turn and adjust to the ball on this particular route. The ball needs to be in this spot. That's pinpoint accuracy, and that's what we need to coach to in this type of an offense. Well, most offenses are rooted in the West Coast system, so when you look at pinpoint accuracy, you're looking at where does the ball need to be placed based on the route. It doesn't always mean that it has to be hit in stride for the receiver, though that's often the case. If it's a back shoulder play, the receiver is going to have to make an adjustment, but is it placed away from the defender so that the receiver can make the optimum play, optimal play on the ball? And that's pinpoint. So I grade on pinpoint and general accuracy and inaccuracy and general accuracy is does the receiver have to make an adjustment and would you give would you say there's a reasonable expectation that the receiver should have caught that ball mm-hmm. and and then if it the receiver catches a ball that he really didn't have much business catching to me that's a difficult catch but an inaccurate pass and so there's a kind of a line there but when you looked at Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield's general you know pinpoint accuracy was much lower than what his um st- you know statistics looked like in terms of what you see in you know on the internet from a lot of analytics in the in the in the media community and so what i saw was that he was often late in the red zone with his drops he would drop and then he would be at least a beat to two to three beats behind on throws because he might hit the guy open in college but he he would pad his feet and wait two to three beats and in the nfl when you project from college to the nfl the coverage is tighter the windows are smaller the the recovery time is faster for coverage so you have to throw with greater anticipation you have to recognize things faster your feet have to adjust quicker so that you can get that ball out faster and so my issues with him was that the accuracy was not nearly as good as people said um you know and when I charted him you know with his passes is that his accuracy was basically consistent with on-platform throws without pressure pressure forcing an adjustment. But, um, you know, the problem was is that it was his footwork. He drops into a wide stance. Um, You know, regardless of whether this happened on a play where he had to cycle through multiple progressions and pivot his body to an open target, his stance would get wider as he pivoted and he didn't reset well. During his release, he tended to lean through his arm motion and force the ball too far ahead or behind his target. His back foot wasn't providing enough counterbalance to the front leg, um, you know. While and his footwork wasn't clean with his drops or setup or deliveries, and that back foot, the instep, is where it has to be aligned to the path of target. That wasn't there, you know. He had a habit of hopping into his throwing stance rather than using his steps to reset in his fire and, and, and fire. So when you hop into that stance, first of all, you're not seeing the field as evenly as you need to because your head's moving when you're hopping. And so that's harder. Your body has to stabilize after that hop. When you can use your steps smoothly, like a Montana or a Brady as a standard, even a Mahomes does it very well, Who and his feet don't look like a Brady or a Montana oftentimes, but they're smooth and quick. And he, it keeps you level on the ground. He had issues. He needed to be more compact. He had to be more explosive to generate control. And these were things that he had to work on for his ball placement. Um, when his when pockets were calm, he had quiet feet. But that's you know the NFL isn't a quiet pocket environment um, most of the time. You know, especially in those moments where you have to be that transcendent player. So you add that plus the pocket issues. And when you look at his pocket issues, you know, and what really struck me was the second half of the Rose Bowl against Georgia, where he actually had to face. And look, I I went to school at Georgia. I'm not a Georgia fan, even though I was asked to actually write a a book about the history of the Bulldogs or be one of the people to submit as to do something like that at the University of Georgia's press because I knew somebody I was like. Listen, I used to cover practices 30 years ago, but I never went to a game. Still haven't been to a Georgia game, though I graduated from there and worked there for 10 years. I was too busy watching, studying football. This is, you know, but it's just kind of funny because watching Georgia in that game, then the second half, Georgia stuck with tight man coverage, walled off Mayfield's access to the edges of the pocket, and Mayfield floundered. That, you know, and there were similar moments against TCU and Oklahoma State where that happened successfully too but neither of them had the plan to sustain or had the talent to sustain that plan the way Georgia did and so when you look at project that to the NFL and you think about the high concentration of cover corners and savvy pass rushers who can keep the pocket high the edges high Mayfield was going to have to learn to climb the pocket and so when it comes down to it he had to learn to own the pocket and I, I contrasted him with Lamar Jackson who I've I said already could own the pocket and was very good at standing in there, even though people consider him a runner. And so he had to learn Mayfield wasn't precise in maneuvering to avoid pressure. And as a result of that, you know, may Mayfield was someone that didn't move well in those situations. And then Mayfield would also get too invested in making a play the longer he extended, um, you know, extended plays in chaos. And instead of throwing the ball away, um, or trying to avoid sacks, he would try to, you know, be the hero, play hero ball, which is very common with most players. Um, but those were kind of the, the real main things with him is that I saw him as a player that, you know, footwork, stance issues, see it, throw it tendencies in the red zone rather than anticipatory um, tendencies, lack of pocket ownership. And if he could make incremental improvements with that, Then I thought maybe he could become a guy who, you know, who, you know, and there were other things that most quarterbacks deal with with zones and, you know, the advanced, you know, learning schemes that are more advanced and dealing with um, defenses that were more advanced. But I looked at him as a guy that said, if, you know, uh, Mayfield's going to need a team that's enthusiastic about spreading the field employing offensive elements that the chiefs eagles and texans used during that time you know think of watson wentz and and alex smith pre mahomes and mahomes as well Mm -hmm. and if he found that fit the receivers who could win the ball from defenders at the catch point if he could get those two he could be productive um as a quarterback and i even mentioned cleveland In my scouting report that they had terrific offensive assets, including a good offensive line, or at least a building one at that time, a freakish primary receiver. um, That's, you know, probably when I was thinking that Gordon may still have an opportunity, Um, you know, a yak, you know, a yak demon opposite the primary, Mm -hmm. you know, and an excellent rebounder with yak skill at tight end. And if the Browns wound up with a Saquon Barkley, (laughs) they wound up with better, a player I graded a little higher than Saquon Barkley in that draft. Um, Mayfield could run an offense. You know, if he could run that offense, he might be able to thrive, you know, with all of that together. Obviously things went a lot differently with the coaching, with the offensive line injuries, with them having to reshuffle it, um, you know, figuring out that Chubb was the guy, you know, and, and then Mayfield himself. So, you know my my thought on him was that you know that he was a guy that if he's forced to be the main guy and make throws on drops from center not use and they don't use a lot of misdirection his acclamation would be more difficult um and that he's the type of guy that I probably wouldn't want I wouldn't advise wanting to draft him as an early round player like the idea that he was Wilson, who I had a high grade on pre-draft. Drew Brees, before I did this for a living, I had a high grade on him. And Brett Favre, who, you know, you look at those three, the fact that he was getting those comps just made no sense to me. And and that's how I felt about Mayfield. I comped him to, at best, Jeff Garcia. And Jeff Garcia, when Jeff Garcia was a Pro Bowl player with lots of great talent around him and a good system, but if you didn't have that, you're looking at a guy that's a replaceable option if you can find better.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that I've learned, two things, right? I've learned in the at least really getting into this right around the time the year before Mayfield was drafted, I really got into this, and it, it, it's, it's traits, right? Like, what is a guy able to do? The difference between arm strength, between gathering all your momentum and throwing, and what it takes to have what's called arm talent, right? The ability yeah. to do an arm talent encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses the way you can throw it, the angle you can throw it, the base you can throw it from, the touch you can put on throws, the, the arc you can put on throws to put it in the right spot that only your guy can get it. Like when my mind thinks arm talent, I think two people, and maybe even a third is creeping in in, in modern football right now. I think of Aaron Rodgers. I think of Pat Mahomes. And I think you're starting to see Josh Allen get into that group where it's like, The arm talent is off the charts. People equate arm talent to arm strength, and that's not it. I think Baker has relatively good arm strength. But the thing is, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is he needs every fiber of his body to get arm strength. There is no, oh, I'm on read one. I know I have this backside slant, but it's going to take me. Uh, throwing this thing from a weird angle to hit this passing window and deliver. He can't do that. He has to have everything where he needs it to be in order to deliver the football accurately and with some velocity. And that's why you can see him be late or you can see him panic because it's not even the thing he's ever done. So his mind doesn't even go that route. Do you do you disagree with what I'm talking about with arm talent and, and arm strength and that combative thing that people misinterpret?
2: No, I don't disagree with all. I agree with it completely. And I would add to it is that scouting is a lot about compensatory factors. When you're scouting players, you may have a template of what you'd ideally like to see with each trait and with each technical and conceptual skill. But when a player lacks a, the, the the prototype level of something or maybe even a baseline level of it, um, then you need to have compensatory factors in other areas of their game that can make up for it in mm-hmm. some regard. And Mayfield to me has baseline level arm strength, meaning that you can start in the league with it. But in order to start with in the league, you need to have to make up for it. Like Drew Brees, if you're going to compare him to Drew Brees, he had all, he Mayfield had a little better arm talent than Drew Brees. The difference is that Drew Brees. He anticipated so well, yep. and he read the defense so well that as soon as he saw, and to me, it's about leverage. I, I talk about it this way: think of your kid, if you who plays music or is in drama or anybody you, or when you're just watching actors or musicians when they play or when they improvise, it doesn't look like they're improvising. It looks like they're just creating on the spot in a way that's very coherent and fluid. And when they see those little cues that they have to hit, those marks and those timing, their timing's impeccable. They're just reacting to what they see and hear around them as if it's just completely flows and natural. And it takes a lot of behind-the-scenes work to get that good and that smooth as if it's like scripted when it's really not. And the thing is, is in order to do that, When you look at a guy with quarterbacking, it's the same way. Quarterbacking is very much like improvisation or theater that has improvisation with it, where you have to know all the theory, you have to know all the technique, but at the end of the day, you have to see the keys. And for quarterbacks, it's the leverage of, you know, looking at the the coverage, having an idea of what you're looking for and then seeing the sign before it breaks open, you know, seeing the, the wide receiver at a certain point on the field in the stem and seeing the position of the defender and going that's going to break open and I and I know that because of what I see right now plus what I saw pre-snap and early post-snap with the position of defenders who are not immediately covering the the receiver and it, and mm-hmm. the ball has to come out and you can be as smart as a whip you could be Alex Smith and be you know ace what was, you know, the dumbest test in the, in scouting, the wonder lick, but you can ace all the intelligence tests, the book smart tests, you know, the things that would make you a good accountant, you know um, but still want to wait for confirmation that the, that the route actually broke open. And if you wait too long, you're a beat late and you wind up behind the receiver, you wind up, you know, you know, throwing it to a, place where the defenders already recovered and cut it off and that's what happened with Alex Smith a lot especially in key game scenarios those three to five plays a game where you need a quarterback to see it and hit it immediately and transcend what the defense did that's what makes the the top quarterback special because they usually they have the athletic ability to do it in in difficult situations or they see things so pristine in clarity that they are ahead of what the defense is trying to do to them and they can overcome it with their mind and peerless technique and Baker Mayfield lacks both in terms of high-end skills in terms of concept and and that confidence to to see it and hit it immediately they hit that mark immediately and smoothly and to have that major arm that can make up for it when he might not be able to you know where it's like yeah yeah Yeah. i missed it but now i can throw off my back foot fading to my left and still somehow use my arm to do that like josh allen
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: Yeah, you're talking about things that guys did earlier in their career, or things that guys like Mayfield do while they're learning or figuring it out. It's like a, it's with Allen and and, and Lamar. It, it's even Kyler to an extent. They have this athleticism tool that's sitting in their back pocket. So while you might be learning the progressions of the of how the NFL works, maybe I'm a little slow. Like Josh Allen's first two years, you could start to see it. But the thing that is like that the, as he kind of struggled and in in, in the, the the lumps of the game took place for him. He still had, and Lamar too, when he first started. The and Lamar's learning curve is hitting a little different than some others. He came and caught the league by storm, and some things he's got to work on. I don't think there's any denying that. Sure. But like these guys have this pocket of athleticism that's sitting there that can then keep the offense on the field you're still giving them a net positive even if you're not as efficient a passer as you need to be if you can get out in space and make plays with your legs and keep the offense on the field and keep the offense at a respectable level while you're learning the other things that's what these other guys have a lot of them carry right now and if you don't have that mayfield does not have that then you have to be able to be a super processor, right? And a super processor is what we're talking about here. And a part of what you're talking about with, uh, you know, kind of carrying in the first element of this thing, the arm talent is the ability to play in chaos. And in that chaos is the tight window stuff. There's no doubt that the way Mayfield played in college by no detriment of his own, it is a, it is a a product of the system that, that um, we see Oklahoma has run and now USC will run is, It is very spread. It is very open. The passing windows are large. They're, they're massive. The hash marks are spread further. It just the feel of the game and the feel of people being on top of you is completely different. And then you get into the NFL where everything condenses the hash marks, the body sizes, the speeds, the rush ability, the pocket, the splits, everything tightens. How comfortable are you in that, right? How comfortable are you in that? And I think that this, Mayfield is a really good lesson about studying, can a guy go from open window throwing 70% of a game to then flipping it and saying, okay, now we're going to give you 30% of the game in open window throwing and 70% of it in condensed window throwing. You know, Drew Brees talked about that all the time. We always talk about Drew Brees. But if you want to get to uh, be a subpar size quarterback and get to savant level, he is the gold standard. And how did he do it is what you're illuminating, Matt. He was a window savant. He was a guy who could anticipate window-based throws at a supreme level because he understood the nuances of how to play in chaos, how to get the football out in the right window at the right time to the right leverage at the right moment based on A, chain reaction, go B. If the chain reaction of A is there, then you throw A. He simplified it in his mind. He won with his mind. And in a large part, we know Tom Brady is winning with his mind. Tom's got some great tools, but he wins with his mind. Can Mayfield ever win with his mind? It's something I've said. He's never going to be a play extender. We thought there were glimpses of it in 2018, and you and I are going to, at the end of Lance Zerline's scouting report, we're going to go through here in a second, we're going to revisit, have you changed your opinion? There were some things in 2018 that the way he played out of structure, like 18 big-time throws out of structure, right? right, Getting out of the pocket, big-time throws down the field. He was doing that. Then it was just gone. So if you, you, you to me in in 2018 with the rookie year let's actually we're going to hold that till the end we'll talk about that at the end because there I do want to go through whether Matt you've had like well I can see this patch the success cuz he has had some success in the NFL he's had some good stretches so we do need to talk about that we are talking about the spots in which he gets wrong but I do want to have a conversation with you at the end of this where we talk about Well, when he finds success, what does the success look like? Because I want to paint that picture for people, too. But the root of this discussion is, has he changed from his rookie scouting report? Okay, so we're going to go through Zerline's strengths. This does not have to be long-winded answers. You can just tell me whether you agree with it or disagree, and then we'll do weaknesses. And it's like 10 to 15 of each. And then you can say, yeah, I think he's overcome that or not. And. These don't have to be forever, but there's just little, little anecdotes. So the strengths of Zerline who gave him a 6.7 grade, Zerline gave him a 6.7. I don't, I think that's a little higher than you did, but all that is for him is a year one quality starter. Low end of that 6.7 to 6.8, uh, 6.7 to 6.8 is a year one quality starter. 7.0 to 7.1 is a Pro Bowl talent. Just so and it goes up to eight, which is like a surefire. Yeah, I was hammer.
2: definitely lower than Lance, but not so, fun, so much. Yeah.
1: let's So let's go one by one. You can you can one word answer or you can elaborate a little. Tough and competitive. I think that's fair. He's, he's tough yeah. and he, he, he competes. I think that's. Absolutely. Yeah. Plays with a fiery demeanor, massive chip on a shoulder. Don't think that's that can sometimes be a detriment, but true. I think that's definitely true you agree absolutely okay teammates rally around him on and off the field I do think we've seen that so far I think it's getting tested what do you think
2: I'd say I'll say this and I'll just elaborate it this way um, I know that the, the Odell Beckham Jr. point is a sore point and people will want to blame one side or the other but I'll put it to you this way um, you know think about your work after a while if if what you do best your quarterback can't do and it happens repeatedly, you're going to get frustrated. And these are guys under 30. And, you know, the cerebral cortex doesn't, the frontal cortex doesn't really develop until you're about 25 as a male. So, you know, we're still looking at guys who are just at the 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 other end of maturity and who are still learning about life um, in a high-pressure sport. So I would say that they're, it's being tested, and, and the bloom has come off the rose a little bit.
1: I would say that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Light on his feet and quick setup in pocket. I think that's fair. I think that that, that light on his feet, quick setup in pocket, sure. There's other issues we've talked about, but I think that's fair. You you disagree?
2: No, quick is good. Accurately not, but quick good.
1: Yep. Has good pre-snap plan. I think his pre-snap plans are fine for the most part. It's tough for me to always know because I don't really know what the scheme is asking him to do. Uh, I do think Kevin Stefanski in this most recent rendition of him, him, he gives him a man beater and a zone beater pre-snap pick aside. But uh, they do mirror some routes sometimes. Uh, What I mean by mirror, and I know you know this, Matt, but for the listener, is where you it's it's a two by two concept. You're running the same routes on each side, so you're just mirroring the concept on both sides. They do that as well. But I think I don't think his pre snap plan has been as good as advertised here, but it's been fine ish for me. Yeah, and I think
2: that I think that um, Stefanski's system, which was what was you know something that I was very happy to see when they when he came to Cleveland is that it would simplify things enough that it would play towards what what should be Mayfield's strengths.
1: I am with that. Okay, so next is quick processor. No, hold on. I, there's one more. Uh, eye, eyeballs in, uh, and eliminate safeties to isolate man coverage on his receiver. I think to your earlier point, which I think was fantastic, if he has a first read, he knows he's throwing to either no matter what or he knows based on pre-snap coverage is going to be it, I don't think he's like this organic mover of coverage. I think there's the way I would put it where he has such a feel for, I have an idea that they're going to cover three, Rob, this thing, and I'm going to have my backside glance wide open. I need to move. I think it's, he does it when he knows he needs time for his, his, his pre-snap read to get whether it's leverage on a glance or a comeback. He's getting, he's climbing to 18 or a back shoulder. He knows he's coming. You'll see him look off, but it's looking off in a way that is not challenging. It's not challenging the, himself. Does that make any sense? Like he's not moving. A, he's not consistently moving safeties for glance openings, you know, or, or a yeah. bender, a bender in the backside. Uh, number two is running a bender. I'm moving the safety, uh, purposefully holding him just a little bit longer to come back to this backside bender. I don't see a ton of that. I do think that like, he knows he's got this concept. I know I'm throwing this regardless of coverage. So I'm just going to do it to hold him for a sec. Like, it's hard for me to articulate that, Matt. Well,
2: like, I I yeah, and I'm with you and I think you maybe explained Maybe you can. It. Yeah, you yeah I, I'll sum it up very well cuz you you gave the detail perfectly. I'm going to sum it up with an analogy. Imagine Robert De Niro in comedies and you've seen some comedies with him if you've been around long enough to know that he can be in some funny movies and he can be funny, you know? But if you're asking him to be a stand-up comic, Then you're going to need to get Robin Williams, Mm -hmm. you know. So the you know the thing is is that Baker Mayfield, when it comes to you know manipulating a defense, if it's if the writing is good, meaning the play calling is good and they're set up in the right situation, he's going to be able to move it based on the fact that he's got the support of the cast and crew around him and the right scenario, the right environment. But if you're asking the wing it like Robin Williams, who might get up in a rainstorm and and entertain troops for an hour that wasn't planned to and make everyone laugh and still have an hour worth of material left. You're not getting that from Baker Mayfield. You got to get that from a Rogers or a Mahomes or all the other guys we mentioned.
1: That's perfect. That's so well said. Perfect stuff there. A quick processor from read to read that has not translated the way I'd need it to. I I cannot say he's a quick processor moving read to read side to side. I just have not seen it consistently enough. Flashes of it. Sure. Not consistently enough for me.
2: Yeah, never agreed with that point.
1: Yep. Okay. Respond suddenly to what is there. Never. No.
2: On plan. On if it was on plan, yes. But I would. What I would. I think where I got it is I when I I have a piece in my on my site for free that's a, called accuracy is a deceptive category on him from back pre-draft and it shows how late he is on a play against a. O- um I'm trying to remember who Oklahoma played but um who they played he was so late on that and it was
1: was it the a Oklahoma state thing? interception he got intercepted against Oklahoma state early where the corner dropped under I dropped under number 2 on a sale I think and it and it turned into a pick 6 or something where I was like how did he not see that it could be that one I can't remember I think you might be pecking on your keyboard trying to look yeah. it up I think it was Oklahoma state but I could be wrong yeah. um but I I'm think- with you
2: yeah, actually, I think it might be um, – it's against Georgia. It's Is another it? one against Georgia where I have it on Twitter where it's, uh, I think, from January 17, 2018. It just shows that he manipulates the, the, the linebacker, but he's two beats late on a decision, and it killed the receiver's chance so that he didn't have – he could have an uncontested catch. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to prove with this point, and I think where people, again, they look at the results, so they see that he caught the ball, it was in the – in the red area. And they're like, Oh, that's a good play. And it's like, that's not scouting. You know, you're just looking at results. You got to look at process and the process that process tells you whether it projects well, you know, result results are less reliable. And that was kind of the issue with him is that I saw what that was, was not one play that says, Oh, this is what happens to him. It's one of many, but this was a good example of, that kind of was a reflection of many plays I saw with Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma and then even before Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, guys, try to find that clip. Matt just described it for you and gave you the date. So check that out. Pitch and catch accurate if you allow it. Yeah, I think he's – if you let him have a quick out route or you let him have a quick number two hitch and stick concept or if you let him have a right now slant, I think he's pitch and catch accurate. I think he's fine. I, I yep. think it's other things that give him issues. Uh, underrated arm talent, I think that that's from – I don't know how Lance defines it. I I think, I think the arm talent is fine. I'm not sure it was underrated to me, but it, it, it I don't know where you sit yeah. on that. And
2: and I think probably Lance was from the standpoint that he wasn't listening to people talk about him as as Brett Favre. You yeah. know, so yeah. so he probably was thinking he's got he he has moments that has better than average arm talent. But I had questions about him actually being able to throw the deep post. Um, And that's a big, if you can't hit that in the NFL, that's a problem. So I had some, I had some lingering questions, but I would say he was right about it.
1: I dig it. Okay. So expedite, uh, this is an interesting, This interesting verbiage expedite from off platform with tight release and zip. So if we're breaking this down very granularly, I don't have a problem with it. I do think when he tries to go off-platform, it is a tight release and has some zip, but he doesn't have the ability to do the things we're talking about. Control the tempo well. You know, if you're working a front side concept and you have a backside drag in front of your face at five yards, it's like a right-now ball. It's not an easy catch ball. Like, I I just don't think that he has the different throw types you need from off platform from arm angle differences from 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 layering the tempo of the football i don't see that so while a tight release and zip i get but does he have the other things you need to do from off platform and in crazy situations i've never seen that i've never seen it
2: yeah i would say the i'd say the physical execution of of what he's talking about is there but the concept of getting there and doing it correctly is not. So it's kind of like the the dots available to connect, but the connector is missing.
1: Yep. Got it. Agreed. Drives with lower body for added velocity. I think that's a fact. I think whenever he gets yeah. velocity on the ball, he has to have every inch of his body from the neck down, going in that right direction. I broke it down as well as I can in a recent write-up. And Accur- as well as
2: anyone would. Thanks. It was very well done.
1: Appreciate that very much. Accurate on all three levels. I think in college... It's debatable. I think you were the one of the few that debated it. Uh, I think we can see where some issues have cropped up. So, has that translated to the NFL? It's it hasn't stretches, but not consistently.
2: Yeah, it's spotty, and, yeah. and that's that's pretty much what I said. So, I'd say if you're gonna say if you're gonna if you're gonna hold Lance, you know, if we're gonna hold Lance to the fire for that point, and I don't mean it like you know, but more in the sense of like as a definitive saying that he's definitively accurate in all three, then I would disagree. And I'd say that we've, we found that it's spotty
1: drops, touch throws over top of linebackers, trailing and coverage. Now those monument defenders, I think Quincy Avery may have said it that way. And I really love calling them that they're really, you're thrown around a monument, a statue almost. And he might've called him a statue defender, He can do that. He's been fine with that. I've had no issue with that. The problem he has is dropping throws between a second-level defender and a third-level defender, where he's able to pull the football over the top from a high angle and drop it over the top of second in between third. When he's tried to do that, for the most part, it's either up over the top a guy has to go expose himself fully to go get it or it's sailed and his miss when he misses is high that's been his tendency yeah. i have never seen him be able to fit levels so that's really not the point he's making here i do think he can do the point that he's making dropping touch throws over the top of linebackers i mean i think that yeah he does that fine so if it's
2: his first read yes absolutely yeah. if it's primary thing he can layer some throws that
1: way. He did not do enough of that this year, uh, particularly this year. I was a little bummed out by the fact he had a defender in trail position and he didn't rip it. Uh, anyway, uh, tr- it has improv talent. 2018, he had improv talent. He had it in, in college, but it has not, it really hasn't consistently translated the last three years. I think in, I said to you earlier, and I've said this stat for many people that have listened to this pod, he had 18 out of structure, big time, air quote, big time throws. Uh, in 2018. And he's had like 13 cents in three years. It's just, it's gone. It's the, the, it's not there. So I can't say it has.
2: Yeah. I would argue that, um, you know, it's easier to play out a structure based on the fact that in, in college, and it was easier to play out a structure early in his career um, mainly because defenses, as we, one of the points I'll make is that Early in quarterbacks' careers, defenses don't have a book on the player. They don't look at the college tape because mm-hmm. they know it's a vast difference. They look they're looking, they're waiting four to six to seven games worth of tape to really study and game plan against the guy. And when they game plan against a young rookie or a young First time starter. They're only throwing a couple additions into that game plan to try and stop something that they think they see that might stop the player. And then teams keep adding on to it week after week after week. So when you see a good lesson to learn with Baker Mayfield or any rookie quarterback is that they often start hot because defenses are not looking at him specifically and going, what are we going to do to stop him? And when he can do something out of structure and play pretty well in that aspect, it's going to make him look all the more impressive to fans. But the defenses haven't adjusted yet. So I'd say as the NFL has adjusted to know what Baker Mayfield does well and doesn't do well, that ability to, 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 to do what he did in college has diminished.
1: Agreed. Uh, what's, uh, we talked about mobility to, to buy time to make plays. There's been some of it. Sometimes the mobility stuff has been debilitating. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd say yeah, he uses some mobility, but the, the the second year, if I, I mean, people were publicly mocking him for bailing out of the pocket right all the time, right? Yeah. I don't think he's ever harnessed the mobility he has in the best way possible. You know, I, yeah. I, I definitely think that's a that's a fact.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a he's a functional functionally mobile player. But he's not even in Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen's league. Josh Allen, you know, league in terms of mobility, I'd say Josh yeah. Allen is oh, without a doubt. Pretty, pretty strong. But Mahomes, as you can see, when he really needs to run, he can. I would say Mayfield is a guy that can move the chains for you if need be. But he's very rarely going to give you 20, 30 yard plays. And the only reason Mahomes doesn't is that he has that ungodly arm and, and vision of the field that he doesn't have to.
1: The next one is rises to the occasion. That has not happened enough in his NFL career.
2: Yeah, I would I would say so. I think they I hate to say this because like I said, I don't think he has the he's that guy who makes those, you know, three to five plays per game, but he's so achingly close. And this was probably the reason why, while I hope he proves ultimately proves me wrong. And I'm beginning to think that I don't think it's going to happen that way. I, you know, I was, he's achingly close to being one of those guys, but he's just not.
1: Yep, I agree. So we're looking at last one here is posted elite production and efficiency as a passer in the red zone. I think things were pretty defined at Oklahoma. Uh, I think that changed a little bit, but he's been okay in the red zone. The numbers have been solid. Um, I don't have any real issue with the red zone stuff other than sometimes not quite processing it as quickly as you need to. Uh, but I don't have any great red zone issue with him. Do you?
2: No. I mean, even though I've criticized him for it, to me, I, I've covered Matt Ryan for well over a decade. And I think he's underratedly, um, he has underrated issues as a red zone thrower. And I think he's a fine quarterback in the NFL. And if Mayfield de- have developed to even have remotely Matt Ryan's career, the Browns will be in a Super Bowl.
1: So now we're going to switch to weakness. All right. So there's like 10 of these, maybe I don't know. my math is not good with bullet points, maybe 13. I don't know. Cool. I'm guessing here, Matt. So false short of size metrics and traditional around quarterback. That's a fact. Um, you can't deny that one. Uh, short with drop down release, make him susceptible to batted passes. So while I don't always correlate height, quarterback height to batted passes, it's usually more lingering eyes than anything else. Uh, I do think he has—he definitely has a drop-down release where the ball. He's more of a a a high. I don't call him an over-the-top thrower. I call him more of a high three-quarter guy. Not a—he's not Bernie. (laughs) He's not Bernie by any stretch of the (laughs) imagination. But he's definitely not a high release top of the top of the arm pendulum guy that makes it uh overcome some of the six just a, just under six one stuff so I, I i do think that's it's a touch of a weakness and it does lead to some games like we saw in pittsburgh where three or four passes in a game get knocked down
2: yeah and when you're and when you have moments where you're slow pro processor and the defense knows that you've waited one to two beats late it gives them the time to get get their hands up so part of that too is his processing speed
1: Benefited from spread scheme that created huge passing windows to throw to. That's fair. Not really (laughs) anything you and I can argue with. We will see increased importance on post-snap reads. Uh, Bingo, right? Yeah. And and it's not something he dealt with a ton at Oklahoma where things were pretty damn defined off. And he could really just – he could just show that he could make all the throws, right? He could show because most of the time you're not getting pressured. Most of the time you're not not having to deal with – not having to deal with a ton of uh, need to drop it in a bucket, you know. So he did some of those things, but not as consistently or or as often with the occasion uh, frequency as you do in the NFL.
2: Yeah, defenses dictate more in the NFL than Mm -hmm. they do in the college game, and he's he's learning to deal with that just like everybody else, but his tools may not be as strong as some of the other
1: guys. Needs to improve full field scanning. I would say he has not quite gotten there yet can be thrown off rhythm by delayed blitz packages and disguised coverage, disguise without coverage. a doubt. It's, it's one of his biggest issues. Teams figured out Matt, after that rookie year, stop blitzing this guy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you he's coming. Then we're going to drop seven as often as we can. We're going to drop seven. We're going to condense the pocket. Either we're going to drop seven and zone you, or we're going to man you and make you uncomfortable Uh, We're going to send two off the right side, drop one off the left side. Like that's what they've done. And I have not seen him consistently figure that stuff out.
2: Yep. I completely agree. Nothing more to add.
1: Uh, Footwork is erratic. Yep. Can't really argue that. Just wrote on it. Creeps up in pocket toward pressure. He does drift. He creates pressure, not just up, but lateral. Uh, He does have a tendency to do that.
2: Yeah, I would say. I, I wanted to see him actually climb a pocket more often yeah. because it was it was basically, oh, roll or retreat. And it was usually roll right or retreat. And, and so that's, yeah, that's something that we've certainly seen. He, he's got, when he's had the offensive line, I've seen him climb more often over the past two years than he did at Oklahoma. But it still wasn't always often enough. But I would say overall, it was better and encouraging. That was the one encouraging improvement I saw.
1: Well said. Ball placement wanes when he tries to gun it. Couldn't agree more. When yeah. he is either processing it uh, a beat too late, he tries to hurry up. Everything's out of sync. The elbow will dip. The hands don't, The uh, the arm whip doesn't keep up with the hips opening up. The ball will sail, right? He's just, he's erratic. Now the left shoulder harness didn't help this year, but it's been a pretty consistent thing for long stretches of his career. Now, there have been nice stretches, too. Don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about some positive stuff here in a minute, but that's just a fact. Like, the ball placement has not been consistent enough for him.
2: Yeah, when he has touch, when I see the moments of touch, I'm just like, please do that more often. Yeah. Um, because it's there. He just doesn't – mentally, he doesn't He doesn't um, capitalize on, on that skill and doesn't recognize when that needs to be the case.
1: Yeah, when you're so worried about – being able to see what you need to see, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. so concerned about seeing the coverage or seeing the, the movement and, and you're, and you're, and you're worried about that stuff more than getting everything you need to get right. Mm-hmm. Then it's not going to be easy. Think about how easy it is for some of these guys who make it look effortless because they're not so concerned about the defenses giving them too many things or something of that yeah. nature. They're just playing, man. They're not worried yeah. about that stuff. So that, that is uh that's something that happens. It says next deep balls, hang on him. Uh, I do think he throws a really nice back shoulder ball. I think you've accentuated that on Twitter. Uh, deep balls tend to hang on him. I've never really thought this, but maybe you have a little more clarity on it. I, I don't know that deep balls have really hung up on him in the NFL level, but maybe you think some of them have.
2: A few, not many. I'd say, you know, I mean, his best routes are the back shoulder and the corner route or the sale routes. You know, those are, those are his bread and butter, but you can see some, You know, there's some I I think if you're going to compare him to, you know, prime Ben Roethlisberger, then yes, some deep balls may hang on him a little bit. But he's more of a he's somewhere between like a Russell Wilson, you know, high arcing thrower and a guy who can throw it on a line. He's got he's got enough arm strength there. So I guess it's a nitpicky point that I would I guess I could go either way on.
1: Um, needs to eliminate, uh, actually strike that there's one ahead of here. Can't afford any delay in deep release to beat safety over the top. I think that is, that is true. Yep. Um, I don't know that that's been a big problem for him, but I, again, I think the deeper portions of the field is where he seemed to be most comfortable in the NFL. So, um, I don't have a big issue with that one. Me neither. Needs to eliminate his back foot throws. Yes, please. I would love <laughs> yeah. that to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm moving on. Cause I don't think we can say anything else on that desire to make plays that will lead to unnecessary sacks. Yeah. I've, I don't see Baker throwing the football away very often. I don't see Baker checking it down to his running backs very often. I think there's a desire to push the ball downfield. That is uh people will say that's the gunslinger in him. I say, you know, if you're going to hit some of those mistake throws, then you better hit double the number of really big throws. And if you're not doing that, then you better start honing in what is the best decision on every single snap. And uh, I'm not sure the unnecessary part leads to sacks all the time, but he does have a desire to push the football places where it's like, man, you got that five yard check down settle from your back or that Texas route or whatever, and just take it, you know, just take the easy money, take a profit.
2: Well, you know, as the comedian Bill Burr once did in his routine, he talked about the fact that he's not a gun owner, but he thought, you know, he thought about getting a 22 and he said, and he was in Nashville when he said this and everyone was laughing because they're, and he was making fun of them, making fun of him saying that, you know, he needed to get a, he needed to get a more powerful caliber weapon if he was going to stop. You know, you know, otherwise he was getting basically a sissy gun. And <laughs> and he said he said, but if I'm holding a 22, I can still kill you. Right. Like I'm still going to I, you know, it's more powerful than the BB gun. Heck, I get a BB gun. You're at least going to be cursing me out as you run away and regather, regroup, he said. And so to me, Baker Mayfield may not have a 45, but he uh, but, a, you know, he's he's got enough to do the job.
1: Has to prove he can rein in and control on field edge and cockiness. I think that's pretty fair. I, I think that there have been times where he's too amped up and he has too much uh too much arrogance about himself um on the field. I think what I would say is this, is this, Matt. There's a lack of self-awareness for who he is as a quarterback. Sometimes I watch him and think he thinks he's still playing at Oklahoma where he was above the, the, where he was the top tier of athlete amongst his peers, he could make all the throws, he could play in a way that was a little chaotic and 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 maybe didn't involve the best decision on a snap, but he could get away with it. I don't think there has been a real sit down look in the mirror, and hey, here are the things you do really well. I always think back to Moneyball when that was first introduced, and it's a good movie you know it's not as good as the book, but the movie's good and Jonah Hill's character, who obviously we know is Paul De Podesta, sitting down with the hitter and says, hey, when you get your pitch in the lower right part of the strike zone, you're hitting 400 like know what you're good at and find ways to accentuate the things you're good at and reduce the things you struggle at. And a part of not being able to consistently do that since he's been in the league is this arrogance, this cockiness that I can do it my way and it'll work out. And that part of it has not changed for me. Yeah, there's a point
2: where I hate to comment on personality a lot, but you know, there's you know, what I found memorable. You know, when I bring up Mahomes, what I found memorable about Mahomes is when he was interviewed on the you know, John Gruden's old camp QB camp thing. John Gruden was a very good interviewer, say what you will about what you know, what went down and everything that goes on with him. I don't worry about casting people in a perfect light. I'm looking at this specific situation right here. You know, it doesn't cancel out the fact that he was a good interviewer of people on TV, because if you've ever ever interviewed people for jobs, you, you know, you want to make people feel comfortable and then you want to low key make them feel uncomfortable without feeling like that they're being attacked. Um, and so you can see how they deal with certain situations and when gruden interviewed you know i've remember seeing him interview teddy bridgewater and questioned bridgewater about certain things and questioned his toughness or at least questioned what people questioned his toughness and you could see bridgewater just like they showed certain things and he was very um You could see the toughness in him, the way that it was. he talked about a situation where he basically nearly got his jaw broken on the first play of a game and then just played lights out after that. And you could see that this was a guy who was like, he remembers that, and you could see the competitive fire in him and the pride and how he felt about those types of games. And where they interviewed a Clemson quarterback, I think it was Taj Boyd, and Gruden – Gave him a lot of softballs and then slipped in the kind of the slider on one. And you could see Taj Boyd have that oh shit moment like mm-hmm. that, like he knew he was out of his element. So with Mahomes, there was a point where they interviewed him and he showed a play where Mahomes made a just a brilliant decision. And, um, and the, but it was something that most quarterbacks wouldn't or would be recommended not to do. But he knew based on what I've seen of him and studied of him, he knew his leverage. He had great timing. He knew what he could control and showed it repeatedly over and over again. And it was one of those plays. Mm -hmm. And Gruden said, why did you do that? And like asked it in a way like he was about to cast, like a parent would ask a kid why they like took the silverware and like built a, a, and, and pasted together like an Eiffel Tower with it, you know, with super glue, you know, and made it in the kitchen. And, you know, Mahomes just looked at him and smiled and said, because I can, you know, and that was it. And it was over. And when you look at that, the great quarterbacks have that, um, have to have that edge, that cockiness, that arrogance that they can do things. But there's a point where that can go into being a rebel without a cause. And I think that Mayfield drifts past that to being more rebellious than cocky. Yeah. And and if he can rein that back and go listen I'm 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 good enough to play in the league. Let's stop trying to prove that I'm good enough to play in the league or and just focus on doing what needs to be you know good starter skill then he'll be better than what he's been. But if he's like, I'm every bit as good as the top guys in this league, um, then you're basically trying, you know, you're Spud Webb trying to be Wilt Chamberlain. And it's like, you're good enough. You just don't have to be that guy because you can't.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC. I
1: agree. I agree. There's a there's a fine, a fine line there between being cocky in the sense of I can do these things and then and then being cocky past that point to the point where it's like trying that was silly like you the, I think you can be a good quarterback in the league with Mayfield's skill set if you recognize and accentuate what you do well. I think there's a there's a path to being a good quarterback. Now maybe you got to you sit back and say well, you know, maybe I'm a you know, maybe I'm John Starks, right? Or, or, uh, or whoever, I don't know what they're Clyde Drexler to Michael Jordan floating around the league. I'm not going to be those guys. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you sit down with Baker and have him one-on-one. And this was a, a candid conversation. And you said, who's better. You or Pat Mahomes that he wouldn't say himself. And I get it. You have to have the arrogance. I'm the best guy on the field, right? You have to have that. You got to believe I I'm with it. I I get it. But like, at some point, it's got to be like, I'd love his answer to be, you know, Pat's great. I think I'm pretty good too. I don't compare myself and and I have a different way of winning, a different exactly. way of going about the position than Pat does. He does his thing He do, and it works out for him, but I do my thing a different it, it's way. It's a self-awareness. Yeah. He can find, I, Matt, I, I, you can call me crazy, man. I still think... And this is kind of what we're going to close with. I do think there are ways for him to find success at the NFL level still. I do you you you're probably listening to this pod as a listener saying, "Well, what the hell? They just spent 55 minutes tearing this guy down." I think we talked about some things he does well. He has found success in the NFL. He has found some. The thing is, you're wondering, "Well, how is he finding success?" Okay? He's finding it his rookie year right? Based off of largely defenses unf- unfamiliar with how to play him. He capitalized on that. He made plays out of structure, right? that This is just my synopsis, Matt, and you can, you can close with whatever you would like because I, I want to hear whether you think you've had some ebbs and flows of your opinion on him over four years now. But his rookie year, he made plays out of structure. He took advantages of, uh, of defenses thinking the answer to stopping him was heating him up all the time with pressure from depth. And he, he beat those. He beat them consistently enough to have a pretty good season, pretty good rookie year. Then his second year, he comes in a little less in shape, a little more thinking the NFL is just going to work out for him. He's going to be great. And, starts to try to lean on athleticism too much because defenses have figured out what he does not do. Well, we talked about it now, more drop coverages, more mugging, uh, the line of scrimmage and bailing more playing seven, right. Or overloading a zone to the side that the, he think that the defenses think he likes to go to. And then it led to a lot of mistakes. It led to a lot of poor pocket habits. He got out of the pocket before it needed to be happening. He was not making plays on the run. He was not doing well. He was making poor downfield throws. He ends up throwing 20 interceptions, Kevin Stefanski comes in. What does Kevin bring? He brings a structure that is built to simplify the position. It's going to give you play action off of elite run game, and it's going to give you opportunities to throw the football to guys who have schemed advantages and occasionally make a play on third. And he was pretty good. Now, sometimes this is going to sound stupid to somebody listening who thinks I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm very esoteric about this stuff, but like, There are just stretches, Matt, and you can disagree with me here, where it kind of just works out, where the right call, where you call Yankee concept, and it's the perfect beater to the coverage the defense plays. Or on this third down, you run a three-man flood, and it's just ideal to to take care of that cover too. And it's just, you can go on these heaters where you literally have offenses that give the defenses issues based on coverage like 90% of the time, and the reads are pretty defined. And I think for the most part in 2020, he caught a lot of breaks on defined things and need to throw situations. He took advantage of Kevin's simple stuff and, and he hit the layups, the layup throws, and he did enough things on, on uh, th- I call them third and pass situations or game situations that dictate predictable pass to be respectable. That is the best version. Now he struggled until week seven, about halftime of week seven. Then he figured it out and had a really great run. That 12 game run where I include two playoff games, is the best run of his career post-2018. Okay, He had a rough start to 17, and then he has a rough 21, where in 21 you add some of the perpetuating mistakes and mechanics, and defense is really doing a nice job figuring out what Kevin wanted to do to accentuate Baker's strengths. He's missing the layup throws. He starts to question everything happening in front of him because the game is starting to speed up. And then all of a sudden you see the season that he submitted. He can make NFL throws. If you give it to him, he'll take it for the most part. If you give him opportunities, he'll take them. But you made a point earlier, Matt, about the, 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 the like five to seven throws within a game okay if in those seven throws where the defense has either put you in a position like a 3rd and 13 or the defense has the perfect coverage called they got a trap you know they they run a perfect trap coverage or they they bail and disguise perfectly and they have you figured out how do you overcome the wrong play to the right defense. Can you take those seven ish plays a game and make them a positive? If you don't, that's seven plays where you either take four sacks and throw two interceptions or miss a big throw or whatever variable you want. You take two sacks, you throw two picks, you miss four throws. You don't extend drives or those seven plays. You hit five of them and you win the game. it's, It's literally the NFL is a is a shrunk down margin for error league where you have to be able to do those things to make it long term in the league. And the things that he did not does not do well yet perpetuate the issues we saw the injuries add salt to the wound is the way I would put it. So that's sort of my four-year examination here he can do things he can be okay he can make enough throws and when he gets on a heater and the play calling's hot and he's hot with what he's seeing he can put together a 26 touchdown eight interception season and have relatively respectable metrics across the league fringe ish top 10 grade on pro football focus but does he do that consistently in his career i could see where the browns have severe doubt of that right now yeah
2: and i think what you a lot of that's well stated cuz you know you, when you look at those 5 to 7 plays a game you know the best quarterbacks make more of those in, on a week to week basis yeah. and they win games and then the ones who who can't make most of them lose games and wind up getting replaced the guys in the middle of that who make th- you know 3 to 4 but in the game the game's close and then it can go either way and the thing is is that when you look at this team uh, you know Listen, you know, my evaluation hasn't changed on Mayfield from at all, at all, because the the point with him was I understand from talking with scouts from doing my own scouting for nearly 20 years is that this this behavior happens regularly. People get excited about a Mayfield or a Paxton Lynch or a Sam Darnold or, you know, you know, even players who've worked out Dak Prescott um you, you know and they and they see players who they start off strong and they take the league by storm the league adjusts because it usually takes a good 18 to 24 games for us to really see whether the player is going to show what they showed in college just what they showed in college that they've that they're comfortable that their strengths are are the same that they showed in college, that they can process the game fast enough to play their style of football. After that, now we're looking to see whether or not they're the handful, and I don't even say the handful, they're like a quarter of a handful of quarterbacks in the league who can improve upon what they were in college, who can make the, you know, build on their games, you know, and not just be, who they were now at the NFL level, you know, who they were in college. Now they're that way in the pros just now with the pro surroundings and the speed of the game. Now they're actually building on their footwork. They're building on their release, um, quickness. They're building on their advanced skills at being able to process the game, you you know? And when I look at Mayfield in 2020, you know, I understand that it was a great statistical season for him, but when you look at the defenses that he faced, um, there weren't a lot of good defenses yeah, uh, and they, they just weren't. You've got the jets. You, the giants were maybe kind of up and coming. Baltimore was a bad pass defense. The Titans were a bad pass defense. The Jaguars, the Eagles were awful. The Texans were a, a shit show. You have the Raiders, you, you know, who weren't all that great. And you're looking at a 122 yard day there, Cincinnati, not that strong. He had a five touchdown day, you know, Pittsburgh, where the was a good defense last year. Indianapolis was an, a defense on the rise. Two interceptions, two touchdowns. You know, you know, and your Washington was good to begin the year. You know, so when you're yeah. looking at, it, I'm looking at Washington and two Pittsburgh games were defenses that I would look at and go, "Whoa, those are those are tough defenses." And then the rest, I'd go, "I, I expect to score against Cincinnati. I expect to score against Philadelphia, Jacksonville." Baltimore, the Jets and the Giants, you know, so, you know, and then when you look at 2021, you know, the defenses did get a little tougher, Um, you know, to some extent you, you had some of that. Um, But in addition to that, the injuries were an issue, but I would say overall, what hasn't changed for me is this, is that he's good enough. If you have great surrounding talent for him to help you get to the playoffs is he a guy that's going to help you get to that game is he going to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes is he going to be Tom Brady or what we saw from Matt Stafford at the end of the at the end of the game this weekend is he one of those guys and I've never seen that from him and so I think that can you win that way Jimmy Garoppolo has Jimmy Garoppolo I would say is a guy who tends to screw up in those key situations more often than he thrives. But if you put a great ground game and a good defense around him, he has the physical talents and a lot of the technical talents to, to do a decent job within the system. And he's in the ultimate system coach's dream, you know, in terms of what they like to do um, with Shanahan. Stefanski wants to be similar in that regard. And I think that, they'll give you know hope you know for people who want mayfield to to be their quarterback you know get the offensive line healthy keep building that defense dictate the dictate the game with a stifling defense and pound the ball and if you can do that mayfield can move the chains for you and then make some big plays off play action and can help you put games away you know, when you already have a lead. Put he can put the dagger in you. Yeah. Now, can he be the guy that takes the dagger out of his back after the second in the first half and, you know, limp around and still be able to you know make big plays and turn that, you know, and put the dagger in the back of the of the defense at the last second and come back. I I just don't see that with him. He's he's a guy that needs he needs a super team for him to be, um, for them to get to where they want to go. And that's a harder thing to do, as you can see. I mean, the the Chiefs got where they were and their defense got a lot better this year. Their offensive line got a lot better. But to begin the year, this team struggled. And, you, you, you know, it's one of those things that I laugh at the narratives every year because, you know, even on my own podcast, people would say, you know, I would ask the question in a mocking fashion to my buddy Mark Schofield, and I'd say, Are the Chiefs done just like were the Patriots done, you know, for all those years under Brady? Or is it just more of an adjustment period? And these, and when you have a quarterback like Mahomes who can carry you through the adjustment period and can deal with everyone going, What's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? What's wrong with Tom Brady? What's wrong with, you know, whoever? What, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? You know, every year it's that way. And by the end of the season they're in the thick of it because they can hold it together. they can still play well as their team isn't playing well around them and they have bad moments too, but they can overcome that and I just I look at this and I think the best shot for mayfield is is the brown is what the browns is giving him are giving him right now they and and it, it doesn't come down to having a fantastic wide receiver you, you know you you had one. You know, he may not have been the most, maybe the best emotional fit for this team, um, but they had one. You know, getting Traylon Burks isn't going to be the savior thing for you in the draft. It's about whether Mayfield can play within that system and that offensive line stays healthy. The defense continues to get pressure and the back end can cover. And if that happens, the Browns will be in the thick of it. Because it'll they'll be in a scheme that prevents Baker from making mistakes.
1: Well the Jimmy G stuff you said is is pretty it's it's exactly what they have to do. I mean they, they're looking at the 49ers right now and saying, that's that's us, that's yeah. us right? Yeah. And the thing is though, is as Jimmy Garoppolo is uninspiring sometimes. His EPA and CPOE have been really strong throughout his his time in San Francisco. Sure. And I know he's limited, and I know you look at the Green Bay game, you're like, 130 yards, do we want that guy? Here's what he does. He raises the confidence of his teammates. When the game is on the line and they need him, there is a trust factor and a belief in him that he's going to find a way to just do enough for us to make this work. So, I, I like, the thing with Mayfield is... You know, we are not having a conversation. I think many of us thought we might be having this offseason, which was he was a version of 2020, good, a little worse, or a little better. And now we're talking about, okay, what's the extension number going to be? We are on the complete opposite end. Now where the discussions are, are they going to trade and replace him? Are they going to bring in someone to push him? We're not even having discussions of an extension. And again, the the, the injury, it, it played a factor. You cannot tear a labrum and break a bone in your shoulder and, and sure. not act like it, it didn't have an impact. I'm with it. Yep. But we are not having the discussions we thought we would be having. And in large part because – those five to seven plays we're talking about, his his ability to make them dropped. It just and it wasn't always tied to the shoulder, it was tied to other things, it was tied to processing, it was tied to eyes, tied to footwork. And if you want to be a person to blame it all on that, that's fine. You do your thing, you believe what you want to believe, but there's more at play here. And if you're looking at the the, the 49ers blueprint, you know, they have a Kittle. The Browns don't quite have a Kittle. They have a Debo. The, the Browns don't quite have a Debo Samuel. Those things are needed. Maybe they find it, but the pressure gets amplified on the front office to capitalize yeah. on every but, single thing.
2: But they have ten times the better two running backs than what they have. They they're starting with right now. They do. And and while they don't have Trent Williams, you know, and they don't run toss, you know, like that, but they but they have the line to. They have the Browns probably have the most diverse running game in the NFL. I think in terms of what they can do, they can run gap, they can run zone, they can run outside zone, the, all the varieties of zone that you want to run and the varieties of gap plays. Very few teams can do that as well as the Browns do. Um, and so and – and they can do it with either back. You know, in, 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 San, in San Francisco, Eli Mitchell is fast. And basically they run toss with him because you have the best left tackle in football – you have arguably as a run blocker, you have the best run blocking tight end in football. And then, you know, on top of that, you also have one of the best fullbacks in football. And and so really those are the three reasons, you know, why that team can run outside and use a wide receiver or a punt returner, really a, a punt returner as your, as your running back and your most productive running back. And when you look at this team and you look at, Mayfield and, and Garoppolo with this. I mean, I mean, again, there, I look at Jake Plummer as an example, go back to Jake Plummer's one pro bowl year in Denver. And when, and I've, I've had Ted Sunquist tell me this story on the air with Brandon Thorne. If you know, Brandon Thorne back in the um, who's, who does excellent offensive line work, um, you know, on the internet space. Um, Brandon Thorne was a production assistant back then when I was a guest and, and Ted told the story about why they got Jake Cutler. And part of it was because Mike Shanahan got sick of Jake Plummer not being able to make those three to five plays a game. But the thing was is that the team really loved Jake Plummer. And they and they had bought into him in the way that the 49ers bought into Garoppolo. Um, and and Plummer took them to an AFC championship. And they thought he'd take him into more. But Shanahan... You know, Shanahan pretty much had in his mind that he wanted another quarterback. So, you know, we're at this stage now that if the team believes in Baker, um, that's great. You know, in terms of the teammates, that's great. And that means that, you know, you give them one more opportunity here. But let's remember playoff windows, contention windows are short, and every year counts. I mean, you may have two, three years before you've got to rebuild. If you're lucky and you've really done a great job of staying healthy along with making good picks, maybe you have five or six years in that window because you've been able to reload a little bit with your losses in free agency um, or one or two key injuries or a retirement. But the Browns are now in year three of their window. If you you would ask me based on what we've seen and they need to make good on it. It's got to happen. Do you and and they're in a tough spot because i know you've talked you talked in your previous podcast about other options there aren't easy options in terms of this draft um that's not a great quarterback class you know maybe one will surprise but there's not great options and in free agency you know you're there are not many um and if you're gonna have to make a trade if you're going to replace them and if you do that it's going to be expensive. Because it's a may... dense
1: market, there are a lot of teams doing what Cleveland might be doing, right? Yes,
2: exactly. And if you ask me, I mean, I've said this before, and I'll and I'll just mention to end it with this: um, I'm, I, you know, I wish the best for Baker Mayfield. I think the stuff that goes on in Cleveland media and among fans who are not fans of him is, gets borderline ridiculous. You don't want to attack a guy's character. You don't want to, ta- you know, you you don't want to question his desire to be a part of this team. You know, he's been a leader of this team, whether you criticize some of the the things he does or not, that can be a little bit better. Fine. But, you know, don't criticize him as a man, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think that this is someone who obviously loves football, wants to be the best that he can be. Um, you know, and I admire that about him, but I would say I just, as someone who just hasn't seen a change from the scouting report, if it were me, um, I would be talking to Atlanta right now and I would see how much it would cost to with Matt Ryan's out to make a trade for him. And the reason being is that Matt Ryan does make at least four of those five plays per game. You know, um, Matt Ryan may not have the arm, but you don't need the arm for this offense. What you need is good decision-making strong pocket play Uh, you know and quick and a quick processor and you need someone who if you're going to bring them in right now if you're going to replace Baker Mayfield it needs to be a clear upgrade and I'm not talking three to five years from now I'm talking like this year and next year you need a right now guy and Matt Ryan is not done I've watched him every week for 10 years and I've and I'm not a huge fan of Matt Ryan but I'm a i I respect his game, respect what he can do, and he's a great fit for what Cleveland needs, and he's played he's played well with or without Julio, with or out without Roddy White, you know he's got a rapport with Austin Hooper already. he's got you know he's going to be able to be an upgrade to you know just moving the chains and making that running game even better you know, as a result of that. So if it were me and you can't get the high ticket guys, you know, the Russell Wilson, the, the Aaron Rodgers, the, the, those likes Matt Ryan would be the guy that I would, I would take a look at.
1: You know, it's ironic. I did a full podcast yesterday that covered all the free agent options and all of the, uh, all the trade options. And for some reason I left Matt Ryan off. I think, I think, I think I've seen the figure he's owed and it gets a little dicey, but I definitely think there's a way around that um, cap number that you can do some different things to get around that. So I'm really happy you introduced the name here. Uh, not that people haven't heard Matt Ryan before, but just put a put an understanding to, to a guy who would maybe fit here. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I thought this pod might go about a half hour. We're an hour and 20 minutes in. It's some <laughs> of the – listen, it's some of the best stuff I think that we've – that you and I have done, it's, it's really well articulated for where we stand on Mayfield, our beliefs about wanting certain things for him and hoping he can get there, but also rooted in the realism of the situation and understanding that the process is what you're looking at when you're studying this stuff. You know, so many people just look at the results and you don't understand the process by which the results come to manifest. And it's, it's, uh, it's it's a game that needs it. It's a game that requires it to make an intelligent uh, insight there's about a way,
2: guy. There's way too many variables at play, and yeah. you have to learn to you have to learn to examine things that are independent of those variables um, that are that are lasting, that are constants. You know, in terms of technique, in terms of concepts, in terms of um, intuition, even like decision making what what's expected from a decision maker and i'm not talking about soft stuff like intangibles i'm you know i'm talking about timing you know what's the timing expected on a play what are the what are the types of plays that are that are like we we've stopped you now you've got to transcend it you know those types of things you can define if you take make the effort and when you make that effort it can be dense Obviously we've spent an hour and 20 on this, you know, it can be dense, but it gets you the information that you need that gives you an understanding of what can go right and what can go wrong. And what are the, what's the up, you know, what what are kind of the levers for this player? And, you know, again, I think if he had been able to start off in a more stable situation earlier in his career and, and have someone who was a proven coach who literally drilled some of the things out of him that are still there or really like put an importance on it. Mm -hmm. Even when he was making plays kind of like a Bill Parcells, you know, Bill Parcells after Mayfield doing what he would have done, you know, early in his career, a Bill Parcells probably would have said something in the media kind of funny to say, okay, well let's not put him in the hall of fame yet. You know, let's and send a message to Mayfield. Like, look, you did a good job, but you've got to, these are things you've got to fix. I don't care whether you threw for three hundred yards and three touchdowns and won the game for us today. These three things you did in in two years you're gonna you're gonna cost us more games than you won doing it that way. And be able to articulate that and still encourage the guy, but make sure that it was he put the boundaries there. And he Mayfield didn't have that. He, they this was a struggling franchise with a coaching staff. That wanted to hold him up as a savior. At least one faction did, yeah. you know, early on. And as a result, he wound up in a situation where he didn't get that structure. If he had gotten that structure, I might have been a little bit more, um, a, a little bit more optimistic about where he is now. But I think the odds are against him at this point. And 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 I'm, you know, a, a fresh start would be helpful for him. But he's gonna need. He's going to need to be in a mindset where he's going to listen, and he's going to need a strong hand. And it's not because he's a bad guy; it's just that he's a smart guy who's who's gotten to this point with the with the with the um, personality that he has, and that's gotten him here. But it's not going to keep him where he wants. It's not going to get him further ahead of where he wants to go. And that's what people miss is that at some point you got to look at the guy and go, man, you bucked the odds. You were, you know, you went from basically practically a walk on to, you know, to doing what you did. And that's unbelievable. But, you know, now you're going to have to change your approach in order to get better. Can you do that? Can you stop being the. Can you stop being the, um, you know, I'm the rebel and start being this guy, you know, because and and some guys might play psychology with them, and say, I bet you can't do it. I bet you can't be this this guy. I bet you can't be it like do it like that. And may feel go, Oh, yeah, I'll show you. And then wind up realizing oh, I see what you did to me. But I'm so thankful that you did. You know, he needs someone like that and I don't think he's getting it here. And I, and I don't, and he's going to need that career near death experience, um, basically to maybe reassess and go, how do I get better here? What, where did I fail? You know, why am I resistant to working on my footwork with a coach? Why am I resistant to these things?
1: It's a shame. It's a shame that that might have to come somewhere else. And, uh, yeah well, maybe we're still sitting out here in, in conjecture world maybe it maybe it clicks for him maybe it doesn't but there's a whole level of self realization self awareness i say it with him all the time about him as a quarterback that has to happen and if it doesn't happen uh you're looking at a guy who is the version you're seeing right now which at his best is uh, somebody that maybe franchises pass around a little bit right that that, yeah. that they start to yep. get, to start to question whether they can do better or do better or do better. And then it starts to run into, uh, where does a career go? Maybe he figures it out. Maybe he doesn't. As we sit here Tuesday, January 25th, recording this thing. Um, we have, we have fully flushed out every thought we have on the guy. I hope you, <laughs> I, I do. I do hope you enjoyed it, Mac, cause I did. And I hope the uh, listeners enjoyed it as well, man. You were one of the best doing this thing, man. And I really, it, this conversation has been a long time coming, uh, kind of flushing out all this stuff with, yeah I
2: so. I appreciate it. It's always fun. I mean, you know, I spent my first 10 years in Cleveland. My first, pro, my first football game was, you know, Ritigliano's Browns against Shula's Dolphins in overtime in Municipal Stadium. Um, and I, w- I had the bug pretty much. I had the bug before that because you grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, that's, you know, with memories of Jim Brown and Otto Graham and everyone talking about those players when I was growing up. As if like, and I thought that was a long time ago, <laughs> um, but it wasn't that long before I was born that that was going on. So you know, I caught the bug then. You know, and Damn. that's you know, so I'm I'm a diehard Browns fan. I just want to see them take advantage of this window as as quick as they can.
1: As uh, as as former Browns great Hugh Jackson would say, Matt has earned his stripes as a <laughs> as a fan of the Cleveland Browns so he's paid the dues <sighs> folks Matt this oh, is a blast boy. brother thank you again thank you all right, guys, that's a wrap on today. Thanks for joining. This is the this might be the longest single pot I've ever done, and I'm proud of it. I think it came out really well. I hope you guys enjoyed it. There are probably things you're listening to and disagree with. There are probably things you're listening to and agree with at the same time. I don't know. Just uh, hopefully you're welcoming to different perspectives than your own and can learn from it and understand where Matt's coming from, where I'm coming from, and what we all hope for the greater good here is, is the Cleveland Browns winning football games, whoever that is, receiving the football from the center. Uh, it shouldn't matter. It's just, Uh, It's just win, just win, baby. So hopefully that works itself out over time. Thanks again for joining today. Make sure to check out Quarterback Week going on over at the OBR website. Uh, Fantastic stuff up all week analytically, film study stuff. Check that out. Have a great, great, uh, have a great Thursday and uh, a great, uh, you know, um, I'm going to cut this out. Have a great Thursday and go, Browns.